welcome to the aggressive life. You know, podcasting isn't the only thing I do, and I hate to break it to you, not even the most important thing I do. <laughs> I regularly get the opportunity to speak live to large groups of people, not just at my day job as a pastor, but at events around the country. This summer, we're reliving some of my favorite aggressive talks recorded live and in person. A few years back, I published a, uh, they say best-selling book, but uh, come on, best-selling book, that might have been in one subcategory of Amazon as a bestseller for like two days, but it gave me the moniker of a best-selling book, I think, whatever. It was called The Five Marks of a Man, and it's about a man not being defined by his age, his paycheck, or his relational status. I know 48-year-old boys, and I know 15-year-old men. And you know a man by five marks, every man has them, and no boy has them. I've done multiple live events around the topics covered in this book. This one was recorded way back in 2019 on the campus of the University of Cincinnati. Let's get to it now. talk tonight about what a man is, and this will be an interesting night tonight. I've given this talk a number of times, but this will be the first time uh, with this kind of setting. I've, I've talked about this with, with a number of fraternities. I've talked about this content uh, in a camp setting with a couple thousand guys. Uh, tonight is going to be at where we're co-ed today. Can I hear from all the ladies in here tonight? <laughs> Yeah, so I'm excited to have a co-ed on this content. I, I, think, I, I think what I'm going to do, if this is okay with you all, I'm going to speak to all the men as if I was only speaking to men. But I know that women are here, and I'm going to have individual call-outs for the women from time to time. Is that okay? In other words, ladies, I'm going to kind of let you in behind the locker room. If you were to go inside of a locker room with all men or you were to go to a fraternity, they would let, allow you in there. An appropriate locker room, I might say, or an appropriate fraternity. And uh, I, I just want to help you guys tonight. That's, that's all I want to do. And I, I actually want to pray. I don't know where you guys are in your spiritual orientation, but I normally don't pray like this before I go into fraternities. But we are in a church, so I think it would be appropriate to pray before we do anything else. Is that cool? All right, here we go. God, I thank you so much for tonight and for every life that's in here, whether old or young. And I, I want you to, to um, give us clarity. God, there seems like there's so much confusion in our culture, so much confusion and so much uh, angst and anxiety. I ask that you would give all of us the gift of simplicity tonight, helping us see a simple truth that can maybe affect our life. And thank you, God, for anything you've given me. Help me to help your people who are here today. And I pray these things according to your name. Amen. <clears throat> so I've got three kids, three kids. And I, I, I myself, uh, I myself was, was born at a very young age. And when I was born, yes, you're going to have to learn my humor. That was supposed to be funny. Uh, um, when I was born, just like all of my kids, you, you apparently or you think you're coming into the world on a blank slate. My first son was born, my only son when he was born. We took him 
out of, out of Libby's womb. And no, I didn't take him. I wasn't like, you know, I, wasn't, I was there, but I wasn't like, you know, there. So we were there and, and, and he, come, he comes out of the womb and, and the nurses take and they put him on this changing table that has this heating lamp deal on it, put him on his back. And as soon as he goes in the back, I'm over, uh, I'm over top of him and I'm kind of, I'm holding his hand and stuff. And, and as soon as I hold his hand, look at him, he sends this stream of urine up in the air and it comes down or comes down on my arm and trickles all the way down. And I thought to myself, self, this little guy you got to get a hold of right now because if you, if you do not bring him upright, he's going to piss all over you is what he's going to do. He, he's going to do to you exactly what I did to my dad. Exactly what I did. I was a terror to my dad. Um, I'm not proud of things I did. I just, just, it was just bad. My dad. If my dad had a car, I was wrecking it. If my dad had a, had, a, had a rule in the house, I was breaking it. If he had something that was his, I thought I was entitled to it. Uh, I, I abused his generosity. I abused so many good things that my dad did. And I just, I, 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 was, I was a boy. In the vernacular of what we're talking about tonight, I was a boy. There are, in our culture, there are 15-year-old men and there are 45-year-old boys in here right now. You can't tell who they are based on their body type, based on how much they can bench, based on how well they're doing in school. You can't tell by looking at it, but to be clear, there are boys and there are men in here. And ladies, the sooner you can figure out how to understand who a man is and who a boy is, the less pain you're going to have in your life. The less pain you're going to have in your life and the, and, and the greater your life is going to be. So when, he, when, when my son came out, actually part of the reason I had a son is I was praying for a son. My first child was a daughter. Her name was uh, Lena. Love her very, very much. And then when Jay came along, I was praying for a son because I wanted the opportunity to raise a child, a man, from birth to manhood. I wanted to spend my entire life working on a man. You know, when you have a man in your family, if, if you ever have kids, it's, it's a pretty ominous thing. It's a freaky thing. Like I've got, I've got a big dog. His name is Winston. He's big and he is stupid. He is, he is big and, and he is stupid. Like he, he, he still does submissive urination, which I didn't know that was a thing. It's like whenever he's around other males, whether human or dog, he pees himself. Well, actually not himself. He pees all over my, our, it doesn't go on him. It goes on our carpet. <laughs> He, uh, he has submissive urination. He's just very, very, very timid. He's, I don't know what he is, 140 pounds or something like that. When you, when you have a dog, though, that is going to be big, as a dog owner, you realize, if I don't train this dog really well, he's going to be a menace to society. Like some people have those little chihuahua dogs. And uh, I don't, I'm not a big chihuahua fan, but the nice thing about chihuahuas is if you don't train them right, who cares? They're not going to hurt anybody, Right. <laughs> They're, just, they're, they're, they're not going to be a nuisance to society. They're just not. But a big dog, the big dog is out of control as a nuisance to society. And this is basically what we're seeing with the hashtag Me Too movement blowing the whistle on a lot of big dogs. A lot of big dogs. And notice they are very big, big dogs that are out of control. And where they went wrong is a story that only they know. But when there is a, a young male 
who's born into this world, somebody has to develop that guy. Not whack him and bring him into shape, but someone has to develop that guy. We don't have a good attitude for what being a man is in our culture. This is a, uh, a little snippet that I put at the beginning of my book, and it goes like this. Once upon a time, a prince asked a beautiful princess, will you marry me? And the princess said, no. And so the prince lived happily ever after and rode motorcycles and hunted and raced cars and drank whiskey and beer and drank Patron tequila and smoked Marlboro Reds and never paid child support or alimony and ate what he wanted and kept his house and guns and, and, and he never got cheated on by his wife while he was at work and all of his friends and family thought he was freaking cool as hell and had tons of money in the bank and left the toilet seat up. The end. <laughs> yes. Yes, it sounds like a great life. It's a humorous thing. It's worth laughing at. But there's so many guys, so many people think that would be the dream right there. If I could just do whatever I want in life and I wouldn't be held back by a woman and I could just kind of be my, my classic stereotypical masculinity. And I got to tell you, man, that picture, it doesn't work. That picture does not work. A man is at his best when he's in a relationship with someone else. Always has been and always will be. And when I took, looked at my son and I tried to figure out what could I do to have him not be me, I did a, a research in my mind of every man that I respect. I did a research in my mind of all the biographies I had read. I interviewed people. I, I looked at characters who were, who were in the Bible. And I, I looked all over the place to say, what is it that a man is? What is it that a man is? In our country... We have all kinds of attitudes about what a man is. Some of us think that you're a man when you turn 18. Not true. Not true. Some of us think that you're, you're a man when you drive a pickup truck. Not true. Some of us manly men I know drive minivans. Some people think you're a man if you do something like hunt. Not true. I'd never hunted until about two months ago. Not true. Incredibly manly men knit, knit. Some people think you're a man if you, I mean, if you climb the corporate ladder. Not true. People are at the top of the corporate ladders. We look at these marks. They don't have, some of them don't have these marks. A man is somebody who has these five marks. And what's really great with these five marks, what's really awesome, is if someone tells you you're a man. One thing I've never heard from my dad is I've never ha had my dad hold my shoulder and look in my face and say, son, I'm proud of you. I've never had my dad ever say it to me. I think that was part of why I was such an idiot through high school. Because I kept trying to prove I was a man. No one, was, no one was telling me a man, so I had to prove that I was a man. So the way it looked like in my cultural context, this would look different maybe in your cultural context, you're just trying to norm out to the other males who are around you. In my cultural context, that meant you, you, you overdrink as an uh, underage overdrink. It means you vandalize for no reason. We used to do um, uh, mailbox baseball where we'd hang outside of cars and, and smash mailboxes. It would mean that you would do things with women that uh, would devalue them and you would lie about things you had done with women because you actually hadn't done them, but people would think you're cool if you did those things. And you would lie about those things, all in a quest of trying to feel like you're a man. Why? Because how do I know if I'm a man? I go trying to prove it. I learned that in every ancient culture, every single one, 
No one had to prove they were a man. They were told they were a man. In every ancient culture, they would have a, uh, a ceremony, and it was different in every ancient culture. In one culture, it was a, a guy who would kill a deer his first year, and then he would drink a blood, drink the blood, and all the men in that village would say, you are a man. And another tribe, it was um, go tr- climb a mountain, bring back a feather. I found another, another uh, ancient tribe where there would be a one-time homosexual act that the chief of that tribe would have with the young male, and then he knew he was a man. I interacted with, uh, I'm, I'm not recommending any of these, by the way. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, giving, you, I'm just giving you history. There was uh, another one I, I interacted with, gosh, about a year ago. He was in Cincinnati, first generation from Africa, and he said that he used to, uh, in his village, and he grew up in a village, at, at, while, the, while the child was, I don't remember the exact age, it was young teens, the men of the village would come and they would call him out of the house and his mother would keep his, uh, her son behind her, her skirt, basically, trying to keep him from going out to, the, to be with these men. And they would woo him, come on, come with us, come with us. And he, if he didn't come to be with them, they would leave, and then a year later, they would come back, and they would try to woo him out again while his mother didn't want him to go out and be with these men for a week up in the mountains, whatever they did. If this time, if that, 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 that little kid would not push past his mother, the men in that tribe would grab him and rip him out of his mother's house and take him up in the mountains, and when he came back, Everything was changed because now he was expected to take care of his mother. Where before she fed him, now he was expected to feed her. Now he was a man. He wasn't a boy that was behind her apron. Now compare that to today. How is it that we know that we're a man today? How is it? I believe the best day in Jesus' life, I believe this, this has happened twice. I believe the best day in his life was when he heard a voice and it said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. He was baptized. And he hears, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. He also has that situation again with a bunch of friends that he has. One thing I know about every single guy in here, every single guy in here, you want to have your dad look at you and say, well done, I call you man. Because that means we don't have to strive anymore. We don't have to prove it anymore. I've never heard that from my dad. I'm 53. I still want to hear that from my dad. Ladies, I'll tell you what, if, uh, if you can find somebody who has received that from an older male figure, doesn't even have to be their flesh and blood DNA, somebody has told your man that he is a man, you will find a man who is at peace with himself because he's not trying to prove anything anymore. Because someone has told him who he really is. And we don't believe in this in our, in our culture today and we're, we're hurting as a result of it. Do you realize that the word even adolescence. The word adolescence wasn't invented till the early 20th century. In all of American history, in all of world history, no one ever heard of the term adolescence. There was, you're a boy, and then you're a man. And what made you a boy or a man? As soon as you could have an erection and ejaculate, you were a man because you could procreate. And you had all the expectations of the village upon you to act like a man because now you can do what men do. Compare that to today. We have adole- perpetual adolescence. It used to be adolescence was like from 13 to 16. Now it's, then it was 13 to 18. Now it's 13 to your mid-20s. 
and just trying to just trying to find who we are, trying to find ourselves. It's like society said, hey, we don't really expect you to grow up. We don't expect you to really be a man. We expect you to be immature. We expect you to just do these things for a long, long time. And and man, 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 let me tell man, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. You don't have to be like everyone else. There is an amazing life that waits for you as a man. As a man, it is awesome. Let me tell you, being a man is awesome. Just awesome. I, I, if I was a woman, I'd probably think it was being a woman's awesome too. I'm not a woman, but it's awesome peeing standing up. That's awesome. <laughs> and there's all other benefits for sure, right? There, there is other benefits for sure. It is, it is great to be a man, and it is great to be a woman. Whatever gender you are, you've got to feel and know that it is a blessing. It is a blessing to have the gender you are and to live in the unique blessings that come with that gender. Let me talk about five marks of a man. Here they are. You want to, uh, enough. Oh, actually, let me give this verse first. Proverbs 23, 7 says this. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. This is an old translation. And it's true. This applies to men and women. As a woman thinketh in her heart, so is she. But I'll just stay with this old translation. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And just say this. Guys, what, however you think about yourself, that's who you're going to be. If you think that you're never going to settle down, then you will never settle down. If you think that you're never going to find a job that's going to meet your needs, then you're never going to find a job that's going to meet your needs. I remember one day my son came to me and said, Dad, Dad, uh, you know, uh, um, you're the, uh, my son graduated from UC about eh, three years ago, four years ago or so. He said, uh, you know, Dad, um, they're saying that, you know, my generation, my generation, the first generation, it's not going to out-earn their parents. So it really sucks to be me. I mean, uh, we, we got it bad. We're not going to out-earn. It really sucks. I said, Jake, let me tell you something. If you think you're not going to out-earn me, then guess what? You're not going to out-earn me. <laughs> In fact, all the losers were saying that when I was your age. I was supposed to be the first generation wasn't going to out-earn their parents. There is always so many negative people trying to put a cap on your life. If you think there's a cap on your life, you're never going to get ahead. As a man thinketh, so is he. I came in here today, I was like cold because our heater's broken, right? I have my, I have my jacket on over there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak my jacket. I'm like, no, no, I'm going to be warm enough without my jacket. I just told myself, no, I'm going to think that I'm going to be warm enough. I'm not going to wear my jacket. You have the power over yourself through your mind, men and women. You have the power over yourself by your mind. Our culture wants to make us feel like we're victims. Our culture wants to make us feel like we're not in control. Our culture wants to make us feel like we're just kind of leaves that are blowing in the wind and oh, the winds have changed and everything is so difficult. Not true. Not true. If you think you're a victim, then what are you? A victim. That's right. If you think you're helpless, then guess what are you? If you think you're never going to find a great life partner, then guess what you're never going to find? Exactly. As you think, so are you. So here we go. Five marks for man. I might also say these marks equally apply to women, but I find that these five things are unique push points uh, for the life of, life of man. Number one, number one. A man works and a boy Plays. How are we doing? Are we having fun so far? Am I too intense? Do I need to dial it down for us a little bit? You guys are all just sitting and looking at me like, trying to think, am I boring you? Am I an old offensive white guy? What am I? I'm not, not quite sure. Yes, 
We're all, we're all more insecure than we give ourselves credit for, right? So the first one's work. A man works and a boy plays. A man works and a boy plays. When I grew up in my parents' house, man, I didn't, I didn't want to work. That was the last thing I wanted to do. I, I did not want to work. I used to deliver papers. I was a paper boy. There's probably no other paper boys in here because like, that job doesn't exist anymore. Are there any other paper boys in the house, people who are about 50 years old? Like, who's the youngest paper boy in here? Do we have any 40-year-old paper boys? Paper right here, paper girls. We have paper girls? How old are you? 58. All right. I, I was going to be impressed if you were like an 18 paper girl. 58. Right. Well, it was, a, it was a great way we used to earn money. We used to put these things called paper sacks around us and had all these big papers in it and everything. And on Sundays, the papers were extra thick. And so you'd have two sacks that were coming down around you, cutting into your, cutting into your shoulders. And I'd try to get my mom to drive me around on Sunday mornings to deliver papers. No, she wasn't going to do that. She was not going to do that at all. It didn't matter. It was raining. I was doing that. I had a job at um, Hardee's. I don't even know if Hardee's exists any longer. This is back, it still exists. This is back when they would put these hamburgers on top of a flaming grill as God intended. You wouldn't like, you wouldn't like stick into a machine and it would go into this uh, stainless steel. No, it was like flames, flames coming up and there was this grill and you take these frozen patties like, ah, you slap these things down and you, and you flip them over the heat. And then I would have to drain the, the boiling grease out of the fryers that was doing the French fries. And it, when I would close at the end of the night, I'd pick up this thing and I'd have to go outside and I'd have to dump it in this like big Exxon Valdez like, you know, drum thing. And one night I was lazy. I didn't put the, the, the leather or the rubber apron on it as I was pouring it. I missed and went all over the front of me and I had second degree burns all over the front of me. Fortunately, by the grace of God, one area did not have second degree burns. <laughs> and that's why I can tell stories about my kids. <laughs> but I, 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 look, I look back in this stuff and now I'm not going to prove it to you either. I look, I look, back, I look back at these, uh, these, these things and I go, I hated those days. They were, those were tough days. But they also developed something in me. A boy never wants to work. A boy, a boy he just, he's, he, he's, just, he's just not into it. This is also part of the reason why um, I had a really hard time with school. Really hard time with school. Second mark of a man is a, is a man, is a man has a vision and a boy lives day to day. A man knows what he's going for in life. Thomas Edison said the two greatest days in a man's life is the day he's born and the day he knows why. When a man has a vision, he is able to endure the difficulty of today because a vision is not a dream of getting rich someday. A vision says, over there is where I'm going to go, over there, and I'm not there right now. And why aren't I there right now? Because it's difficult to get over there. And so I'm going to endure this difficulty here to get to this vision. A boy will never go after a vision. A boy will never deal with difficulty, ever, ever, ever. We don't like difficulty in our culture. We hate difficulty in our culture. The, the, the largest, the biggest question I get, and it's a good question, many of you may have it, and I would be fine to interact with you on it, but it's a huge question. The huge question is, I don't know that I can believe that there's a God because of the pain and suffering that's in our world. It's a very good question. It's an appropriate question, and it, and it, and it deserves really good interaction. I'm not going to be able to give that to you tonight. Um, 
unless someone asks me later, I may go off script and do that. But just understand, cultures in the ancient world have all, every culture in the history of the world has always believed in some form of God. Every single one. God has planted in us this desire for faith in every culture, every, and when they, in other cultures, when difficult things happen, they don't immediately go, forget it, there's no God. But us, we do. We do. Because boys always abandon things as soon as it gets difficult. But men recognize that difficulty comes with life. Always has, always will. That's why I was, uh, that's why I'm so proud of you who can do college in four years. It's pretty impressive. I, it took me seven years to get through college, and that was an undergrad degree, and I was not studying to be a doctor. <laughs> seven years. Why was that? Well, number one, my dad was paying for my education. Remember, I said I took advantage of my dad? My dad was paying for my education, so I had no incentive to actually go to class. I took accounting one three times. I would, show, I would wake up in the morning and feel like I wasn't equipped for my accounting one final, and I wouldn't go in for the final just because I didn't feel like going. And I would flunk, I would flunk that, that class and have to take it all over again. And I didn't really even care because my dad was paying for it. I was an utter and total boy. I didn't get, this is stupid me, total st stupid me. I didn't get that if I did well in school, this was a vision to do better in life. I didn't get it. One time my son said to me, this is stupid, I'm studying this stuff, I'm never going to use this. I don't, I don't remember what he was studying. I don't know if it was geometry. Has anyone figured out when we will ever use geometry other than, other than 180 degrees as a triangle or something like that? I mean, remember, you, you guys still memorizing all those theorems or all those proofs, you know? I'm, I, I think he was doing that. He said, this is stupid. We're never going to use this. And I said, yeah, Jake, you're right. You're never going to use that. He said, what? Uh, I'm, I'm never going to use it? No, you're never. Then why do I have to do it? So, Jake, because sometimes life is just about showing up and finishing. And a sheepskin shows somebody that you showed up and you finished. It qualifies you. I didn't get that. I did not get that at all. I didn't have a vision for what education could do for me. A boy never has a vision. He just lives day to day. He wants the easiest thing he can do on, on a day-by-day -day basis. The third thing, third thing is a team player. A man is a team player, and a boy wants to be the MVP. Boys can't coexist with others. Boys don't know how to give and take. Boys have a really hard time being in committed relationships. Boys have a really hard time sacrificing for the team. But a man is a team player. A number of years ago, I was out in, out in Montana, and they had, I, I was interacting with this animal trainer who's trained a lot of animals that we might see in commercials. He's got, a, um, he's got a grizzly bear, he's got a mountain lion, he's got multiple wolves, he's got it's all these crazy animals out in Montana. And, and as we were interacting, he told me about a lone wolf. He actually had a lone wolf there. He said, see, see that lone wolf? I said, yeah. He said, you notice how he's, how he's a little skinnier than the rest of them? I said, yeah, I do. He said, you know, we love this idea of the lone wolf. How many guys have you heard define themselves as, well, I'm kind of a lone wolf. I'm kind of a lone wolf. He clued me in. He said, the truth is, in the wild, if you're not in a pack, you don't eat as well and you die. You need a pack of wolves to come around to take down an elk. 
Lone wolves are smaller and they die earlier than wolves that are in a pack. It's the same way with us as men. You're with relationships right now, perhaps in your fraternity, and those fraternities may last a long, long time. I hope they do last a long, long time, but you need a team. This is, a, this is men and women alike, these principles I'm talking about right now. We need a team, men and women alike. This is what team players are like. Now, this is a challenge. Um, I'll go off script here. Off script, I haven't talked about this much. Um, greatest team you're ever, ever gonna be a part of is whoever you marry. I know I'm a lone voice crying in the wilderness because we are increasingly anti-marriage in our culture. Numbers show it. We're getting married later and later and later and later. Um, the greatest thing that you will ever do for your impact is get married. I'm one guy who's saying that. History shows that. It's the greatest thing. But it's got to be married to, the, to a person who is right. Not the right person. The right person is really bad. There is no right person for you. The right person for you. My wife could have been married to a thousand other guys and had, a, had just as good of a life. I probably could have been with a hundred other ladies just as good as Liv. I mean, she, she, I'm lucky to have her. Very, very lucky to have her. I totally am. But anybody who's been married for any length of time, we know this idea of the, of the soulmate is utter garbage. The idea that there's one person out there, the perfect person, and if I get with them, it's going to be perfect, and they're going to love me, and I'm going to love them, and we're not going to fight, and we're not going to have money problems, and, and, and no one's ever going to have an emotional affair with anybody else, or a physical affair with anybody else, and we're going to be one with one another, we're always going to be laughing, and, and because there's, if you find that soulmate, then that's really the way it's going to be eaten. Not true. Not not true. The only people who believe in soulmates are those who haven't been married. <laughs> or at least those who haven't been married for more than 10 years. Because all of us, all of us who've been married, like, wow, man, what did I get myself into? Sheesh. Marriage can have some difficult, difficult things. And all of us who've married and been, been staying with it would say, man, whew, who you marry will either double the impact of your life or cut it in half. That goes men and women. Who you marry will either double your impact or cut it in half. And the problem that I think you're going to have, unless you choose to go an opposite direction, which is another mark, a man takes a minority position. A boy always wants to be in the majority. Man takes a minority position. Boy always wants to be in the majority. A boy always needs to make sure that his values are just like everybody else's values. His, his clothes look like everybody else's clothes. His electronics are like everybody else's electronics. His music playlist is like everybody else's playlist, at least those in his, in his circle of influence. But a man is going to believe things and do things that's going to put him in the minority. I believe things that I know people can't believe that I believe. I know that. I'm in the minority. I, 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 I'm totally okay with that. Why do we have the Me Too movement happening right now? In large parts because we had a bunch of guys who were boys and the people around them were not speaking truth to him, them and saying, hey, dude, why are you looking her that way? Hey, man, why, 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 are you, why are you acting the way you are? I don't understand. And all these guys, all these guys who knew these guys, they all say, oh, I didn't know. I, I never knew. I never knew that he was like that. Yes, you did. 
You were just a weenie boy and you didn't want to say anything. Yes, I did. No, 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 you weren't willing to be in the minority in that circle of six you knew. You weren't willing to be in the minority and say, hey, hey man, you're going down a bad road. You're going down a bad road. If you're going to be in the minority, you're going to be in the minority and you're going to feel odd oftentimes. And one of the ways I want to encourage you to be in a minority as you look for a teammate is you're in an amazing environment right now where there's men and women who are in the same locale you can see and talk to and actually date. Yeah, we used to do this thing called, these things called dates. I don't know if you ever heard of them. They're really, they're really great. You'd, 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 like, you'd ask someone out on a date. You'd say, hey, um, would, you, uh, would, you like to, would you like to go see a movie with me this week? And you'd, you'd wait, oh no, is she gonna reject me? It's gonna be awful, it's gonna be painful. And about 50-50, 50% of the time you were okay, sometimes you realized that she was gonna reject you. It was painful, it was very, very painful. But what it did is it helped you to test out what kind of girl you got along with, what kind of girl, woman you, you could interact with, what it was like to interact with somebody of the opposite sex. And in college, it's an amazing time to do that in a healthy way. I'm not saying having sex with the opposite sex because you're not interacting with the opposite sex that way. By the way, I'll take a minority position and say one of the reasons why you should be far less sexually active than your peers is because sex keeps you from getting to know the other person. I know this sounds really, really weird, but it's true, and all of you know it's true. When you're sexually active with somebody, you're not talking with somebody. When you're tied with somebody in a, in a real spiritual and primal bond, which is what sex is, it's a spiritual and primal bond, it short circuits communication. It short circuits like a close. Obviously, you're very close when you're having sex. Obviously, that's why we do it. We want to feel close. It's physical. It's emotional. It's spiritual. It is. That's why it's so wonderful and why it feels so amazing. But the problem is... When we're doing that, we oftentimes short-circuit difficult conversations or probing conversations we need to have with the person we're with because it's much easier to have a quick hit, easy feel and having sex with that person. You're in a place right now where you can get to know and talk to people because once you get out of college, you're all, what do you got left? You've got apps. That's what you got left. <laughs> you, got, you got apps. And I'm pro-apps. That's fine. That's fine, but dudes, ladies, do not break up via text. If, you, if, if we get used to meeting somebody through an app, we're going to break up with them electronically. What about, like, what about like physical, like right here, physical, like, ooh, how's that feel? Yeah, real like flesh. Man, of, oh, you're warm. This is what, am I making you sweat? Yeah. Feel how warm he is. Jeez, yeah. <laughs> I don't care here you are. That's funny right there. That's funny. <laughs> Marriage is a big deal, and you're in a great environment to, to like talk with people and interact with people. I encourage you to do that. It's a great way for you to figure out how to find a potential future teammate. And you may not find anybody here in college you're going to be with long term, but you can practice having conversations. You can practice being rejected. Practice, yeah, believe it or not. You can practice being rejected and not crushing you. 
all of us are going to be rejected. You're going to want a loan and you're going to be rejected. You're going to start a business and it's going to fail. You're going to, you're going to have a kid someday and they're going to tell you they hate, hate your guts. You're going to have an accident. You're going to be rejected by insurance agencies. Rejection is just a part of life. This is a safe place to feel rejection. Who knows? You might not even get rejected. It might be a special someone. It might. It could be incredible. Fourth thing, fifth thing, protector, protector. <clears throat> Men are protectors and boys are predators. Obviously, sexually, this is the case. One of the reasons, guys, I would encourage you, um, I would, mm, I'm going to get deep here. I'm going to get like, I'm going to get really, see, this is, this is, this would be interesting. Like, I would say this right now with guys and it'd be really interesting with women here. This is going to be a, a lot different thing. That's all right. We're all adults. Ready for this? Here we go. Guys, I want to encourage you to be the one who is the aggressor in the relationship, aggressively putting boundaries around you sexually. Aggressively putting boundaries around you sexually and around her. You have a choice. You know, boys are always like, well, he said I could. She said I could. So she says you can do X, Y, Z sexually, but think about, are you protecting your future spouse by giving them as little sexual baggage as possible? Are you protecting your future? Are you protecting her future spouse, her future marriage? We, think, we have to think about this long term. We think about, need to think about this as a vision. Protect her. Put, put some boundaries around it. I had to protect uh, my daughters. We have this weird thing in our country that happens when you go to somebody's house and take them out for the first time. It's kind of crazy, isn't it? There's a guy who knocks on my door and says, uh, hi, Mr. Tome. Um, I'm here, and I would, uh, uh, I'm here to take your golf clubs. I, I'm here. I just need to take your golf clubs. I go, what are you talking about? You're not going to take my freaking golf clubs. No, go, go pound salt. You're not going to have my, have, my, have my golf clubs. Or imagine someone coming and knocking on door. Uh, excuse me, Mr. Tome. Um, uh, I'm going to, uh, I, I need your car. So if you just give me the keys to your car, I'm going to tell you, who are you? No, no, you're not going to take my car. No, no, no. But that same guy will come to my door, knock on my door and say, excuse me, I I'm here to take your daughter out on a date. Oh, my daughter, fine, just go with her. Just girl, I'm, sh I'm sure nothing, I'm sure, I'm sure you wouldn't damage my golf clubs. I'm sure you won't damage her at all. Just, just go out at night and stay as long as you want. Great, fine. That is, that is asinine, that's crazy. That's utterly crazy. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Last guy came to, uh, came to take out my youngest daughter. He came and uh, my daughter thought she was gonna get, get a fast one, my youngest daughter. She thought that she was gonna sneak this guy in or he was gonna sneak in when I wasn't there and they were gonna have their first date. Like, no, Tommy don't play that game. No, no, <laughs> not at all. What do you know? I happen to be there, I happen to be there. He, he, he comes to the door and says, uh, hi, Mr. Tommy. I said, uh, hey, uh, Ben, um, hey, um, you and Mariah are not going to be going out on a date tonight, but you and I are going to go on a date tonight. He said, okay. I said, let's go out and talk, and you drive. So we went out, and I got in his, his, his parents' minivan, got into that minivan, and he went to, he, he took out his first, he said, why did I want him to drive? 
Well, because I want to protect my daughter and I want to see what kind of driver he is. So I'm in the car and he's driving there and, and he gets there. It's about, I don't know, three miles away from our house. And we sit down and I said, uh, all right, Ben, um, you seem like a nice guy. Uh, d- d- you have to know that I brought Mariah into the world. I mean, my sperm is why she's here. This is all true. You can talk to and and um, and and I love her and I care for her more than you do. And and let's be honest, I'm going to be here for a long time and you're not. I'm just here for a long. So I just I just need to make sure that you're going to protect my daughter. So two things. One, I need your assurance. I need your assurance that you are going to protect her reputation. Whether you're with her or when you break up, you don't talk ill of her. You don't say lies about her. I need you to protect her reputation. Can you do that? He said, yes, sir. Okay. Two, I need to know your sexual intentions with my daughter. What are you, what are you planning to do sexually with my daughter? You know, he took some swallows and... <laughs> and, and he told me, and, and, and I, I'm not dumb, okay? I mean, I was, I was 16 at one point. I mean, the hormones raging at 16 is ridiculous. There's just something nice about being 53. It's nice when that stuff slows down. I guess I gotta tell you, it really is. So I, I, rem- I remember when I was 16. I remember, I, I remember like, that's, seriously, that's like all you think about. There's like the, the slightest, it's, 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 it's tough, it's tough. I don't care if you're high integrity or not. I know, it messes with your mind. Hey, are we okay to like to like eliminate BS here? Because that's what I'm trying to do. Are we still okay? All right, okay. So Ben told me, and, and I know, I, I was fine with what he told me. He, um, he mentioned kissing, and I said, what kind of kiss? <laughs> I mean, we're talking like alfalfa kisses? And he's like, what's up? You mean alfalfa? Is that what we're... I, was, I had a little fun with it. I had a little fun with it. I know, I do that again? No, I'm not gonna do it again. I, I, I know that what Ben said to me, it was gonna be very, very difficult for him to just do what he said. I know, I know that, I'm not, I'm not stupid and ignorant. I know that when two people get together, I, I, don't, I don't, I know, I know, I know. But here's what I'm saying, here's what I'm saying. As a man, I have responsibility to protect my daughter. As a man, I have responsibility to protect my daughter. It's not just protect my daughter, I have responsibility to protect People who are poor in my city. I need to have a percentage of my income that's going to help the poor in my city. I need to protect the poor in my city. I'm trying to give you things you might not get other places because I want to protect you. I want to protect you. I don't want you to make the same mistakes that I've made, and I don't want you to make the same mistakes that I see people making all over culture. And I want to be one person to tell you, it doesn't work. It doesn't. So much of what we think is enlightened today and progressive is going to be progressively bad for your life. And the idea that you can make your own rules and you don't need anybody else and just grab today's gusto the way it is, it doesn't work. It doesn't. Long term, you will be a boy. Long term, you will not be a woman that is where you can be unless we break out of some of the things in our culture. Our culture is not saying a lot of things to us. One thing I know is that men, you have a power over you. You have a power that's unique. 
one of the reasons why not every woman, not every woman, not every woman, just aware of this, this void that we have of a dad speaking into our life. And there's a power with the dad. I don't understand it. You can talk with any married couple that has kids. It's a weird thing, the power of a dad's voice. And those of us who don't have a dad know this because there's a void of a dad's voice. My wife could say awful things to my kids and I would say like one thing that's slightly off and they'd be, <laughs> it would crush them. There's something about the voice and the power of a dad. And I know, men, you need to look at the women that are very sexually, um, they want you to perform sexually. This is, this is a new thing in the last like decade, really. I wish it was around when I was in high school, when I was a boy. <laughs> Honestly, I wish it was around high school when I was a boy. It, 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 it was around. But today, I interact with a lot of young males that will, that will tell me that actual quote, come on, be a man, be a man, meaning perform for me sexually right now. And what's being said there is there was a wound that was done to me by my dad. I don't feel complete, but when I'm with you, it salves the pain for a moment. That's what's happening. That's what's happening. And some boys are smart enough to take advantage of that. But if you're going to be a man, you won't. You'll man up and you'll have a vision for your life and her life for long term. And you'll say no to yourself. You can say no. You can say no. People think that we can't. You, as a man, thinketh, what is he? So is he. If you think you can't say no, guess what? You won't say no. If you think you can't control your sexual urges, you won't control your sexual urges. If you think that you're not going to be able to carry 18 credit hours, you're not going to carry 18 credit hours. As a man thinketh, so is he. First uh, Kings 2.2. 2. This is, a, this is a, one of the heroes in the Bible is King David. You might know him from David and Goliath fame. At the end of his life, he's the king of David, he's the best king that Israel's ever had. At the end of his life, he, he is in his bed, he's on his deathbed, and everyone around him, around him thinks it'd be a good idea. It's one of the craziest stories in the Bible, as far as I'm concerned. Hey, the king is dying, he's really cold. Let's stick some hot young women into his bed. So that's what they do. They pack his bed full of like young, 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 good-looking women. And they're, they're, the thing is like, the guy's old. He's not going to be able to do anything about it. Just, just, just some stick in there. And so these women are in there just warming this guy up. And he has his final words of wisdom to Solomon, his son, who's going to be his successor. And he says this, 1 Kings 2, verse 2. I'm about to go the way of all the earth. Be strong and show yourself a man. Be strong and show yourself a man. I would say that to those of us in here who are males. For you to do the things I'm talking about tonight, you're gonna have to be strong. You're gonna, you're gonna have to be okay being in the minority. You're gonna have to be okay finding a band of brothers that's gonna support you. You're gonna have to be okay having a vision of something that you don't have right now. And the good news is, you gotta be a man about it. Show yourself to be a man. Being a man should be an aspirational thing. Today, right now, a man is a, is a, is a, 
is a punchline. Being a man is a punching bag in our culture and for understandable reasons. But no, there is a fraternity of great men who've walked this planet and we need you with us. Show yourself to be a man. It is a blessing. It is a blessing to be a man. Be the man that God has designed you to be. That's what I want for, for you. All right, okay. Hey, thanks for listening. For all things aggressive living, why don't you head over to bryantome.com. Find my new book, Move, a guide to get up and go forward, as well as articles and much, much more. And no matter where you listen to podcasts, why don't you take a second and leave us a rating, leave us a review. It really, really helps us drive new listeners to the show. We want to help as many people as possible, just like we may have helped you. We want to help others. So why don't you help us out? And if you want to connect, find me on Instagram, at Brian Tome. The Aggressive Life with Brian Tome is a production of Crossroads Church, Cincinnati, Ohio.